This is Sassina's Pa a Star Trek, a podcast for the Orville. Seth MacFarlane's uh, pretty good remix of Star Trek. I am Van Velding. I'm Skilltow, and this week we are looking at New Dimensions. In this episode, Kelly shakes Mercer's confidence when she lets slip that she got him the command, and she notices that Lamar got really good scores at the Academy, and so she promotes him higher than Lamar's comfortable with. They dive into a piece of two-dimensional space to hide from the krill and regain their confidence. Also, they piss off Yafet constantly. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. Uh, the most obvious callback in this episode, I think, is... Well, maybe it's the second most, but... the uh, In the Next Generation episode, The Loss, the Enterprise gets lodged in a piece of cosmic string, and the... Space anomaly here is very reminiscent of that. I can see that because they they can't detect it because the cosmic string is two dimensional. Um, in another TNG episode, uh, Pin Pals is all about Wesley learning how to lead a group of people, which is a direct correlation to this episode where Lomar, who's kind of worked around not being responsible and not having to be the center of attention becomes responsible and has to be the center of attention because he's going to be a leader. And I, I think the Orville honestly does it a little better. I actually agree. Watched that episode not too long ago. Um, he's a <laughs> uh, Lamar, even though he got top scores at the Academy, he chose a really, I don't want to call the Orville a crappy assignment, but it seems like an unambitious posting. And that strikes me yeah, as yeah. very much like Dr. Julian Bashir in DS9. Uh, Dr. Bashir, I presume, might be the episode where that comes up. Where we learn that he is um, genetically modified. So it reminds me of Voyager the Void. There are a couple of Star Trek episodes where like, you suddenly enter this new realm, but the Void kind of catches that it's a new pocket of space there's a new set of rules and and the crew interacts with that and then they leave it and they're kind of done with it the void is the most emblematic of those episodes that's fair i'm, I'm kind of a fan of it you were saying earlier that episodes like the void are a bit too big for the format and that like with pen pals uh, i think new dimensions might have handled that idea better there's really nothing for the uh, crew to learn about this space other than what they do by going through it yeah yeah when you find a whole new level of space something so big that you can immerse a starship in it i think you are bound to to take that science fiction concept and uh explore it and make that space as big as you can explore um you know, Voyager had fluidic space, which is a universe-sized area of fluid, and they visit it twice and then never again. Um, the void in the two-dimensional space here, which is a little space fantasy-ish, um, you know, they visit it once, and they kind of do everything they came to do. They think about it, they examine it, and they leave again. And that's, I think that's how it should be. Yeah, it's... Fluidic space has the Yuzhen Vong problem, where you're just constantly increasing the scope. And <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do feel like this is a concept they might revisit. Uh, there's uh, Malloy's reference to four-dimensional beings watching them. I'm 
pretty sure I yeah. mentioned already space whales, but they might actually come back to two-dimensional space also. I was really impressed with their reference to flatland, which is a pretty famous short story, apparently from the 1880s, where different shapes are have different places in society. And it's not a physics story, but it's often used as oh, no. a physics story. Here in the Orville, they actually have Mercer say he wonders what kind of society it is outside. And that just really yeah. impressed me that they'd do that. Uh, it presents a, a novel concept and it challenges the audience, I think, just enough to think about it. And they explore it uh, as much as you would expect an episode of Star Trek to explore it. Um, and the story, the human story complements all of that. And there's even a little bit of real science in there. It's, it's just a solid episode. Absolutely. The I was for sure surprised that the reason for someone dying isn't just because space magic that it's actually legit science granted i'm sure that's (laughs) from years of star trek fans complaining about something in star trek but i mean you're the one who pointed out you know it's the protein folds where um was it stoichiometry is is what it's called where once you press it flat and then reinflate it it loses the specific three-dimensional structure that's necessary for proteins to work. That's some real science. Feels genuinely a little out of place for the Orville, but I'm glad they stuck it in. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad they did it. You know, how they interact with the two-dimensional space. At one point, they kind of go into it. At another point, they kind of rub against it, and yet still parts of them are sucked into it. Yeah, that's... The plants die. They did that in the previous episode, too, with phasers injuring people in different ways, depending on the needs of the plot. And that's a little bit irritating about this episode. But altogether, it's a very well put together episode. Yeah. The title seems very well chosen. Oh, yeah. It's not realistic for A and B plots to echo each other the way that we expect them to in stories. But, like, it's still what you expect of a story, and they do it really well here. I mean, New Dimensions isn't um, just about the literal dimensions of, of space flatland but also about Lamar choosing to be chief engineer instead of remaining this two-dimensional character. Um, There's good character work here. Absolutely. For starters, instead of seeing our chief engineers in the first season of Next Generation just one episode each and then getting killed (laughs) off, this guy actually retires. Yeah. And then we have a... Hey, McDougal survived, okay? Uh, remind me, Madugal's the woman? Yeah, she, she's the woman. She, she's in, she, I think she's a non-speaking part later in the show. Maybe we'll get a McDougal on the Orville too. But I mean, it's he's kind of does a weird reverse Barkley here where he's a smart guy. He just doesn't want the obligations of being smart. Sometimes being talented is a drawback. It comes with cost. And and he refuses um, He refuses the, the proverbial cup there. Well, he tries. He tries, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and in true narrative fashion, uh, circumstance forces him to use his talents for the greater good. Yeah, and the other guy in the running is Yafit, who we expect to have all of the science and engineering skills necessary for the department. Yeah. I kind of wonder if, as in terms of people handling, Lamar is actually the smarter <laughs> choice, because we haven't seen a lot of it from either Yafit or Lamar in the previous episodes. We have seen... Yafit, he's not as big of a... Damn it, what do you... He's got fewer layers. It's all transparent. <laughs> you can see right through the guy. 
Yafit is not as big of a, an HR problem as a Riker might be, but we still see him coming on to women constantly. Yeah, we see him with Dr. Finn, yeah. And with Priya visits the engineering room, he also comes on to her. Whereas Lamar, whenever we see him interact, okay, after the first incident in the episode, after that, when he interacts <laughs> with the rest of the engineering department, he does so pretty well. He handles the people in a reasonable leadership way. But later in the episode, when the plan fails, um, there you see that he to has the To be fair, the, the plan skills. succeeded. It just had a temporary setback that was almost immediately ready. Yeah, yeah. And people, yeah, um, I don't know why the crew put Yafit in the doghouse for that, other than to give Lamar a chance to be a leader and for Isaac to watch Lamar be a leader, which for some reason we got two reaction shots of Isaac reacting to that. <laughs> but I mean, that's why it happened. Yeah. Um, maybe that part's a little shaky. I, you know, I would have liked to have seen more of Yafit explored and, and we'd learn about the character and maybe he's not cut out for it, but it definitely seems like at first glance, Yafit's a character who's put in his dues and then Lamar's closer to the plot. His name's in the credits. And so he gets the bit Absolutely. to make our story go. It's Wesley getting promoted over Jordy. Yeah, but it's still a good episode. Like our, our... It's a deeper message than we've seen before. Because the deal is, is that Lamar is a smart guy and he doesn't want to be known as the smart guy. He wants to be Lamar first and a smart guy next, which is interesting because we do have a lot of one note characters. And it would be interesting if Lamar was like the nerd from the get go. But he's not. He's always going to be Lamar first and a smart guy second. That's personally relatable because I'm a gay person and... If I if that comes up too early in getting to know people, that's how I'm characterized, and everything I do is viewed through that lens. But if I'm just if I'm just Van Velding first, and then later it comes up that I'm into dudes, people incorporate that. I'm still uh, an individual first, and that label second. And Lamar's characterization's very relatable in that respect. It shows us how far the Orville's come in one season. It's it's got a long way to go. I'll be the first person to say that. Well. But it's come really far. In the direction it's going, I still think that maybe it's wishful thinking on my part, but I think that there is something more to his tests, scores, and how carefully he answers Kelly when questioned about them. That's an ambiguous 60 seconds of television. A great 60 <laughs> seconds of television yeah. is the let's get a cat scene on the bridge. Oh, it's so great. It's You and Derek complain about how Data has a bigger family than anyone. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the things... That's part of that is back in Pen Pals, even he picks up, he adopts a wayward child. <laughs> and later on, he has a cat because yeah. Tasha had a cat. Did she? And she did. Well, not oh, on the okay, show. Oh, okay, in the flashback. She, yeah, all right. Yeah. And I believe in the flashback, Worf even asked, What's a cat? Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So this 60 seconds is compressing like three episodes and making fun of Data for collecting humans as pets, Yeah. which he does more than once. That's a good point. It's a good point. It's just great because it starts with the idea to get a cat from out of nowhere and then discussing what a cat is, explaining the nature of the owner pet dynamic, and then Isaac unconsciously taking on the pet owner dynamic with an inferior life form and a good bit of physical comedy that has this awkward algorithmic intimacy to it. I love it. And, it... and then the cherry on top later on is Malloy is worried about four dimensional beings watching him during intimate moments. And he wants to get a cat. Clearly he's the joke character doesn't think things through, but that is just great. Yeah. 
and last episode's uh, pistol duels. Like, that's just great visual comedy that seamlessly fits into uh, the science fiction milieu they have. Star Trek, but with jokes. Oh, yeah. that's great, even, because uh, Malloy and Lamar are in the Sulu Chekhov dynamic, right? Yeah, yeah. At least they're sitting in the seats. Exactly. In Sulu's and Chekhov's seats. And Chekhov, I don't remember a lot of great Chekhov moments, but the Western episode, Spectre of the Gun, was a big one for him. And Sulu, of course, apparently loves 20th century firearms. Hmm. That's an interesting note. Yeah. That's a great meta callback. <laughs> and then, of course, what's-his-name comes in for the third member of a pistol duel, which... Bordas. Well, Bordas is yeah. like Batman, right? He's got the serious demeanor. He's competent. So he's comedic gold. Batman can make anything funny. Bordas can make anything funny. So, I mean, you, you put him in a powdered wig, you give him a yeah. pistol, a flintlock, and you're good to go. Yeah, put him on a raft in the middle of the ocean. He can survive off of just whatever drifts by. <laughs> and he will be hilarious uh, the entire time. So, yeah, I, I feel like Star Trek, but with jokes, has become Star Trek with jokes. The Star Trek bit's a little shaky, but it's integrated that high concept really well. Um, like, there are not contradictions there any longer. Yeah, I would put this alongside uh, Futurama in terms of how it's constructed. That's high praise. I'm sure it's what they're shooting for. No no doubt. I mean, we, we also see other characters doing stuff here. We see Alara socializing with extras at the party. We recognize some of those extras. And that's amazing because we have not really seen any of the command crews having social lives outside of the command crew. We don't really... And a lot of the supporting characters are kind of one note, which is perfectly fine. I would love to have a middle ground between TNG's very limited cast members, extra cast members, and Deep Space Nine's sprawling, intricate Game of Thrones special guest stars that last halfway through the episode in the credit reel. But where it's just like, hey, look, here's a bunch of funny one note guys that are on the ship. You need this joke? Grab grab the bony head guy you need this joke grab yafit yeah they have a good stock of one note characters exactly i hadn't thought about how necessary that is yeah right. makes sense i'll well, speaking of one note things yeah. if i can just talk about some of our more dimensionalized characters uh, yeah absolutely mercer and grayson i love these moments throughout the season not just this episode where because they've been married they know each other they know their tells when they're lying and yet they still try to lie I like that they are not perfect people who know how things will turn out, that they still try these things, that will, they have every expectation of turning out badly. I, I like the intimacy of Mercer and Grayson, and occasionally the humor that comes from the conflict of them having been married. I think when they try to milk that connection for drama, it falls flat with me, but I like everything that holds those two characters together. Agree that in this episode it didn't work terribly well. There was a good moment at the end where... Not between Grace and Mercer, but because of their conflict. Yeah. Mercer is also on the shuttle, the, right. along with Lamar that's dragging the Orville out of danger. Mm -hmm. And they install a literal symbol of leadership in the ship. The, they have a device that looks exactly like the Autobot Matrix of Leadership. Oh, really? I didn't know. And both of these guys are trying to <laughs> prove their right to lead okay. with the expedition. It might be the best episode of the Orville to date, maybe with the exception of the Krill, maybe Priya. I, I'm I'm just a really big fan. Yeah, yeah, I'd put this up there. Mm -hmm. I could put this as the top. Which relationships do you want to milk? <laughs> like Alara, Lamar is a young leader of a whole division on this ship, and I think that links him and Alara. And he and Malloy have this link, which we probably won't be able to explore much because he's not going to be on the bridge so much. And Malloy and Alara are characters that don't have much connection, but they could have connection. 
So, so the idea is that Ed and Kelly, for different reasons, or maybe the same reasons, or whatever, they stop going on away missions. Maybe they're, maybe they were exposed to like an alien spore, and they can't leave their rooms, or like the clean environment of the ship. Maybe it's a new Union directive about commanders and captains going on away missions, or maybe they're in a region of space where like they hate the aliens there, the horror blacks, or whatever. And if the horror blacks are going to be there, Ed and Kelly want nothing to do with it. So whatever, whatever it is, Bordis, Lamar, or Alara end up leading a lot of away missions. And Lamar and Alara, they always choose like each other and Malloy and maybe a fourth crew member to form the party away team. And they have fun and the rest of the crew like being the fourth man and they drink like a krill dude under the table or something. But eventually they take it too far and they get caught by Ed or Kelly or Borders or whatever. And it's a lesson about responsibility and trust and also because the show sometimes can't finish saying one thing before it feels compelled to say the next thing. Maybe it's also about the power of loosening up and relating to people instead of being by the book. Because regardless of the partying, they still got the job done on all those occasions as the party away team. I think that'd be... Sounds a lot like you're uh, planning to have a miniseries of John Luke Beverly and Jack Crusher palling around bar hopping. Yeah. Sounds like maybe a montage of different away missions oh, with for sure montage yeah so show different uh extras in the fourth man slot assuming that these teams are only four people big yeah the shuttles have space for eight seats i mean they do yeah <laughs> oh that'd be great showing the shuttle coming back in different conditions exactly and that you mentioned the shuttle. it's a great visual where eventually it's just like we got to keep it quiet so there's like four people and then, like, there's five, and then six, and then eight, and then people standing up. and then... Sneaking people off the ship, sneaking people on the ship. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right, so for the bulk of the episode after the montage, let's put Elevator Guy into the fourth slot. Yeah. Since I think of our extras, other than Yafit, he's the most developed, or he's gotten the most screen time so far. I think so, yeah. All right, so... The crew's trying to be responsible in your version of the story. Or they're just getting slowly out of hand. Right. So I'd have him being wildly out of hand and them trying to keep him down to something reasonable. But yeah. it turns out what they think is reasonable is still more than they should be doing. <laughs> yeah, he's like, um, what's that, Farva from Super Troopers, where he doesn't get the nuances of the pranks. Yeah. So he always takes it a step too far. I mean, without the malice. I'd like to see that, you know, elevator guy. Nurse Park, I'd like to see Nurse Park let loose. Just all the named extras. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds like it'd be a good time. But the elevator guy's definitely the one to pitch things into the, the too far territory. So yeah. I wish I had something to add on with the theme or conflict, but oh alright, so let's have Chief Engineer McDougal from Kelly's ship show up. So we can also have some bullshit about Kelly's past. But they always in the show talk about people's performance in the academy, like they haven't been assigned to two or three ships before the Orville. And everyone just has this blank slate record that they're absolutely reluctant to get into. It's all, ooh, good scores at the Academy. Ooh, good scores at the Academy. Okay, that was that's 10 or 15 years ago for Mercer in and Kelly. In the Orville or the Star Trek? In, in the Orville. To a lesser extent, the Star, uh, Star Trek. But the Orville is really bad about it. The Orville, we only have a certain number of characters. Kelly and Ed, they both have unhappy pasts for the year before it. And I guess it's a gap that they haven't, that just hasn't come up before then. But even, even when Mercer's talking with the Admiral in the first episode, the Admiral's like, you had great scores at the Academy. It's like, well, what about his service record as a Lieutenant Commander, as a Lieutenant? That's, that's a very good question. But yeah, so I, I would love to see elements of their past from other ships. Uh, Lamar was serving on the ship already. So this could be his first like substantive assignment alara this is for sure her first substantive assignment bordis i don't think anybody's asked him. i mean alara had to do something before she was a lieutenant i thought she was fresh out of the academy 
she said they got fat well maybe not fresh out but she said her species got fast-tracked i mean maybe so but i mean she has to, this can't be her first space mission she she she's young so that's yeah. a good thing to get into while people are out partying <laughs> just people's like what were you doing before you did this? Well, I mean, you mentioned, you know, someone from Kelly's old ship, and it would be interesting to be like, oh, here's the USS Tattletale. <laughs> They've interacted with our away team. And, you know, they're all like buttoned down. And we're like, nah, whatever. And so it looks bad for their ship. And they got to like keep them from telling Ed and Kelly. I would love it if Alara is knows something about them from like whatever her few months or one year before she got out of the Orville, but still makes mistakes. Like she still gossips or whatever. Anyway, I, I, I think it'd be a pretty cool episode to see. So next week we are doing mad idolatry. Yeah. Is that the last episode of the season? That is the last episode of the season and possibly my least favorite. We'll get a retrospective on our feelings for the season. I'm sure that we will till next time. See ya.